0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome back to a brand new DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you're all doing well and thank you as always for being here. It's great to have you along for a bit of F1 chat and discussion and we have made it guys. It's race week, the first race of the season, and it's the Bahrain Grand Prix. I am very much looking forward to this first race of the season, and of course, we are going to go through all of the huge talking points heading into the opening race of the season and answer some of your questions as well. And joining me on the show to go through all of this and more, we've got the DNF1 panel member, we've got Lee Wallington. As always, Lee, first things first, how are you doing, mate?
0: Uh, firstly I'm good thank you uh, for asking Adam I, see, I can see you're doing well because you're sporting a nice Ferrari sh- shirt uh, feeling positive ahead of the season I'm sure Ferrari ruined ruin that <laughs> within the first race weekend before you
1: <laughs> yeah probably i mean i I am feeling pretty positive it's all the hopium and copium and anticipation over the last few months and obviously what a crazy winter that we had we had so much that was going on i remember a couple of episodes ago I read for a list of everything that had gone on it's absolutely crazy and yeah I am very much looking forward to this season and you're probably right by the end of this weekend my optimism will probably drop down a few octaves and you know, it, that's it's the hope that kills you. I'm certainly not expecting Ferrari to start the season in the same way they did in 2022 when they finished 1-2. Everything seemed peachy. I thought it might be a championship challenge. My realism for this season is probably, I would say it's pro- pretty much there in terms of expecting Red Bull to completely dominate. And Max Verstappen in particular. But you never know. This is the beauty of sport. We always come in every year expecting something. Something crazy might happen, and if it does, then that's going to be fantastic.
0: Yeah, we could just start setting a tally of how many mechanical failures, pit stop blunders, strategy blunders that Froome will do just in the first weekend.
1: Yeah, I might, I might do it on the back of the wall that I'm recording on. It's just like one tick for each one. I'll probably run out of wall space by the end of the season. So. uh yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But all things good heading into yeah. the first race of the season. And what I wanted to do to start off with is read out a five-star review. Now, you guys listen to this podcast know that every single episode, I'm always asking and pleading with you guys to support us by giving us a five-star review. And I always say that I'm going to read them out. Well, in this episode, I'm going to start that trend for the season where I'm going to read out a five-star review from you guys. And I've got one right here. And I'm uh, going to read that out now. So it's from Dan pt 42 and it's titled, Thank You. A nice five-star review from Dan. So thank you, Dan. And he says, Hello, guys. I just finished listening to the most recent episode and just wanted to thank you for all you guys do. I've been listening to you for all the past few years and you are my favourite F1 podcast. I've listened to a few of the other big name ones and you guys just seem to be the most real, the most passionate and honest. And I want you to know how much your work is appreciated. I love tuning in to hear your thoughts and insight on new F1 developments. I think your show has an amazing core and your hearts are clearly invested in the sport. And this comes out in your podcast. Keep doing what you do. Ignore the negative people out there and know that you have a lot of fans out there as well. I hope you guys have a great 2024. Thank you, Dan. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it, Lee? That's really yeah. made me feel good. Thank you, Dan. I really appreciate that. That's an absolutely phenomenal review of the show. Yeah, and, thank you, uh, Yeah, we're, we're really grateful for that because we've done this show now. It's, uh, well, it's just gone past four years, actually. I think uh, last week was our fourth birthday for DNF1. And it's it's crazy to think that Where's when... Where's the cake? well yeah exactly where is the cake i i don't know lee we'll have to get a cake at some point um but yeah after all this time since when i first started doing this uh, when courtney and i first started doing us obviously you joined us along the way i never thought in a million years that we would have a reasonable number of people let alone the people that do follow this podcast um you know take the time out of their lives to just let us know how much they appreciate what we do and effectively all we do, Lee, is sit in front of a microphone and a couple of computers and just chat rubbish about F one, <laughs> for lack of a better way of putting. It. Sometimes we know what we're talking about, but other times we Yeah, it's a bit all over the place. But we have fun with it. We've enjoyed doing this so far. And, you know, I I'm looking forward to seeing what we get up to over the next few months and years ahead and it's all because of guys like Dan and other followers like yourself listening to this show that really make it all worthwhile. So thank you so much to Dan in particular. And we've got other five star reviews coming in that I want to share in other episodes. So thank you very much, everybody. And uh, keep them coming. You know, if you want your five star review read out on the show, please leave us one in on your favorite podcasting platform. Of course, if it's one that you can't leave a written one, do screenshot it and we'll be able to read that one on a future episode. So now, all of that aside, Lee, let's get into the episode and heading into the first weekend of the season. As we already said, so much optimism in the air, so much hope. Of course, we're going to base our analysis and our expectations on what went down in preseason testing. And I know people say, oh, you can't base it on preseason testing. It's all arbitrary because people are cars are running different fuel loads and engine modes and all this stuff that they hear about GPS data and all that stuff the truth is we don't really know for sure what the pecking order is going to be but if I was to hazard a guess as to who I'd be betting my money on to win this weekend and start the season on a high you can't really look much further than Red Bull and Max Verstappen at the moment can you Lee? Uh,
0: no it's probably not the reigning world champions are uh, looking strong from the winter testing, um, and fully expect them to hit the ground running um, and, and deliver a sublime performance.
1: Absolutely, you know. Obviously, we're going to be back in the world champion as we did in our predictions episode for the season to start on a high. Um, a lot of questions were raised about the new Red Bull. You know, is it going to be reliable? We know it's going to be fast how big is that advantage going to be? But pre-season testing, I think we've got a good indicator that the Red Bull looks pretty handy at the moment. Um, That being said, we can't guarantee it's going to be bulletproof because we fought that in 2022 and they had a double retirement in the first race through through reliability issues. So I'm sure if you're a Red Bull fan, you're hoping for normal service to be resumed from 2023. But if you're a fan of any other team, you're probably hoping that Red Bull quite haven't got it perfectly figured out just yet. There might be a sting in the tail to come
0: yeah if you're if you're a Haas fan you're really hoping for something special oh, yeah. <laughs> you're
1: on the edge of your seat if you're a Haas fan you're thinking this could be our year this could be our year this could be our year maybe not but all things considered um, again there's an unknown there at Haas with what's going yeah. on with the new team principal and funny enough um, we did get some questions regarding this and I wanted to start our preview as we go on for the other previews for the rest of the season and involve you guys in a little bit more so what I did is I put out a tweet on our social media platform dnf1 underscore under fish uh, official I think or dnf1.official you, you'll see it in the show notes I'll have to check that to be certain and um, it's bad because I'm the one that runs the account so I should know but it will be in the show notes and it will be on YouTube in the description if you see this but I put out a tweet asking you guys to give us some questions that we're going to try to answer as best as we can as part of the preview. And that's something I want to continue with going forward. So pretty much this show, how the previews are going to go are depending on what you guys do in terms of sending in your questions. So do get them in and uh, we'll be happy to answer them. So without further ado, Lee, first question we got in, I want to start with, and that was regarding Christian Horner question. And a lot of you guys sent in, Variations of this particular kind of question. So I'm going to try and answer it in the best way I can, or ask it in the best way I can, I should say. And the question regarding Horner was uh, regarding the FIA press information, where we get the team principals we, and drivers we know that are going to be doing the press conferences before the race. Christian Horner is notably missing from the list of team principals. Now, there's no uh, Red Bull representation to replace him at that level. We just have Max Verstappen as the driver. And this is the first yearly that the team principal of the defending champions will not be taking part in the pre-race press conference in the last 10 years. And the question that most people asked is, based on that information, can we deduce that Christian Horner may not be the team principal of Red Bull heading into the Bahrain Grand Prix?
0: I mean, it's a a logical deduction um, regarding putting that what we know together but it, it could just be that to for forward planning that formula one don't know the results of the investigation as of yet because obviously the formal announcements rumored to be tomorrow uh, as the day of recording um but that's only a rumored announcement but the they just want formula one want to avoid some embarrassing news in the future if they're announcement is made when expected and if it happens to be bad they don't have to restructure or reorganise anything I just think it's just saving face so there's no potential bad news for Form 1 at the start of the season more than this is a confirmed outcome of a, the results of the investigation it's just working around with what they know more than the, the result is known
1: Yeah very well put and I think Craig Slater it was from Sky F1 who's been pretty much leading on the coverage for this particular story in terms of if you can identify a credible source of information it's probably been him and he was talking about this yesterday Um, obviously we're recording on a Tuesday you'll listen to this episode on a Thursday so by the time you hear this you guys may already know what's happened regarding Christian Horner whether he remains as team principal of Red Bull or not. But, Chris, uh, but craig slater basically announced that the report or the investigation that had been done regarding corners uh the the accusation that he is facing of sexual misconduct from a female employee uh, um, basically craig slater said that the investigation had been concluded the report has been prepared which is thought to be well over 100 pages that's now been submitted to the red bull gmbh board which Apparently, we're discussing this at length in Austria today. Again, we're recording on a Tuesday just for the benefit of the timeline. And they will decide very, very soon whether or not Christian Horner remains in his position as both team principal and chief executive at Red Bull Racing. Um, an expected confirmation or decision is expected on Tuesday. We haven't heard anything yet. So it's likely if we do get one, it will be on a Wednesday. So I think overall, it doesn't really surprise me, leave that... Um, Christian has not been scheduled to attend the press conference. And, you know, obviously, if he's found to have been, you know, guilty of the charges that he's been accused of, um, then obviously Red Bull are going to get rid of him. They're not going to keep him on. So he wouldn't be at the press conference anyway. But if he is found to be innocent, of what he's been accused of the last thing red bull are going to want when we're heading into the opening weekend of the season is christian be inundated with all these questions and all the what happens next kind of questions regarding this particular incident when what really should be happening is we should be looking forward to the race this weekend and the season as a whole obviously you know this is an important issue but red bull are not going to be want to be barraged with questions regarding this when the investigation has been concluded
0: yeah, that's pretty... Um, again, it's the Red Bull, but it's also the... As you said, with the directing the questionnaire, you want to be focused on the racing, uh, the qualifying, the, the practice sessions ahead, not the off-track, um, what's happened off-track. And obviously Formula 1 doesn't want that attention as a whole to distract from the the venue and everything that comes with the sport, because that's not what they're about. They're not about Red Bull's internal processes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I don't think there's really much more that we can say on this. All I will say is if Christian Horner is found to you know have been guilty of the allegations that he's been accused of and you know we get that bombshell news on Wednesday for example then of course we'll talk about it in a special podcast episode but if not and he's been cleared of him then we can just cover that in the review episode so I guess what I'm trying to say is guys when you listen to this episode you will most likely know what has happened at this point so we'll just we, we, there's no point in us talking about it until we know more at this point because everybody's speculating we addressed this already like all this speculation and all these rumors all it's done is just stir the pot on social media it's not really serving anybody any good and you know we just got to focus on the important things right now which is making sure the investigation has happened it's been conducted properly and then we find out what the outcome is and then we we deal with it then I guess that's all we can really say on that so let's move on to the next question. And uh, it's a question from our good friend, Dave Doherty. Um, <laughs> Dave Dotty F1 God, that he's put on Twitter. I'm certainly not doubting that. Hi, Dave. Hope, you're all, hope you are well, mate. Uh, he says, hello, you lovely people. So this is obviously a very exciting time for the new F1 season. This is a question for all of you. Do you think this will be a season where we finally can get a fight between the Red Bulls, McLaren, Ferrari or Mercedes? Um,
0: what do you reckon, Lee? Uh, at the start of the season, or the by the end of the season?
1: I'm I'm guessing by the way Dave structured this question, I think he means for the whole season. But if it starts on this weekend, then fantastic.
0: I mean, if it starts this weekend, I'll be uh over the moon because it means we're going to be in for one hell of a competitive season. Um, but my feeling is it won't be there as of yet. But I do think the chasing pack are going to be guns blazing in their upgrades and their development plan because they've all got a solid foundation of a car and they understand and they can bring the plan to it. And the, the law of diminishing returns means in theory that that gap should shrink over the course of the season. So I maybe not for a championship fight, but I do expect race wins to be fought for this year between the the, the, two teams. I know you think differently because you you think it's just going to be a plain sailing Red Bull.
1: I mean, look, there's nothing that I would want more and, and I'm sure a lot of fans would probably agree to this, regardless of which teams are involved, Then to see multiple teams involved in a championship fight from day one all the way to the end of the season. I mean, for the story, if we end up with a dominant team on day one and as the season progresses on, the gap is closed to such a degree where we get that grandstand finale, then that's still fantastic as well. You know, we'll take some early pain. It's kind of like McLaren last year. You'll take that early pain, but then it becomes wonderful, towards the second half of the season, Um, and then you have that grandstand finale. Yeah, that'd be fantastic, but do I genuinely believe this season we're going to get that fight? No, absolutely not. I'm the most optimistic, naive, um, believing Ferrari fan that you're going to come across, but even I feel that, you know, even though Ferrari are best placed at this point in time by what we saw in testing to be the the leading challenger for Red Bull, I still think Red Bull have a six to 12 month development advantage over everybody else. And this new concept has allowed them to shift the goalposts even further to a degree, which allows them to preserve that advantage. So as all the best will in the world, I just don't see it happening this season. Maybe if Red Bull are approaching that uh, ceiling of development, then maybe 2025 we might get something. But I just don't see it happening this year. I think we're going to be in for another year of Red Bull, Max Verstappen domination, I'm afraid.
0: Yeah, um, well, we'll find out soon enough, that's for sure. (laughs) I hope
1: I am wrong. Honestly, guys, I really hope you're wrong,
0: Adam. I really do.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry. If I'm right, I am not going to take any pride in being correct in this. I really hope that I fall flat on my face with that prediction on the season. But, uh, I mean, I was the one that said Red Bull was going to win every single race this season. So everybody's probably counting on me to be unless you're a Red Bull and Max Verstappen fan in this case you're probably like yes Adam go on tell it as it is but uh yeah you guys might enjoy it but the rest of us but you know it is what it is you know we 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 keep coming back hoping it's going to be different I'm sure it will be eventually but uh we have to be realistic at this point in time they do look quite formidable let's move on to the next question um just scrolling through I did make a note so we had uh, a question from Nicholas 24 And Nicholas writes, why are the Bahrain Grand Prix and Saudi Arabian Grand Prix taking place on a Saturday instead of a Sunday? I can't remember ever seeing an F1 race that wasn't on a Sunday. Uh, That's a good question, Nicholas. Um, It's something that a lot of us have wondered over the winter. And unless I'm mistaken, I believe it's to do with Ramadan. I yep. think those, uh, those particular venues, obviously Ramadan happening on the Sundays, uh, again, you know, don't quote me on this because I might be wrong, but it's what I've read and what I've, I think is correct. So that's why they've moved those two races to a Saturday. But um, I can't really remember the last time that they, we had a race that wasn't on a Sunday. I know we've had stories about the odd race that had to be postponed and moved to a Monday. Um, but we're talking a long, long time ago. Unless there's one that's obvious that I've completely mislead, I can't remember.
0: I can't remember the only time I can think of, but I can't actually remember what the year it was, which was the Monday race, which I think was a, a race at Suzuka that, or maybe it was Fiji that it was yeah, washed out and it was moved to a Monday, mm. but I cannot remember which year that was. It's um, before our
1: time, isn't it? Cause I certainly don't remember it. Um, yeah, it and I've been watching is. F1 since the mid nineties. I don't remember um, seeing a race that wasn't on a Sunday, for example. So this would be a first for a lot of us.
0: Yeah, um, and I think it's the it's more on the Saturday because of Ramadan is uh, coincides with the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix, mm. and then for logistic reasons they moved Bahrain to a Saturday to enough and allow enough time for freight and shipping between the uh, the races where they're obviously back to back. Yeah, um, well, th-
1: well, that would make sense because if if it coincided with Bahrain on a Sunday, then why would you have it on a Saturday for the next one? So that makes much more sense.
0: Yeah, um, the only thing that I, I, I for me personally, the, I understand it, the Saturday seems a bit odd, but I think it hit a lot of fans who may miss the qualifying on the Friday, where I see work, um, pe- people will miss out. Um, So they, I wouldn't be surprised if Formula 1 start, sees a decline in viewership for the event, uh, for the qualifying event, which is a shame because that's normally quite a good... Uh, in our current format, it's quite an interesting uh and sometimes it's the best part of the, the weekend.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean this is the this is the funny thing, you know, it's like uh how can I describe this or compare it to other sports? Um well I, no, I won't do that actually, because it's it's quite simple. Usually when the season starts, there's so much interest and excitement because we haven't had F1 racing in a few months that normally the first weekend of the year the viewing numbers are very, very high. Um so you know, good on F1 for taking that into consideration, I suppose. Um it, As I said, it's something new, something we haven't had for a very, very long time, especially for the reasons that we're having it. So yeah, you know, I, I suppose that makes a lot of sense. If we're all about promoting diversity, then this is a prime example of making sure that F1 is able to do that. Um, but what that means, of course, we have to confirm to anyone listening to this that may not know what the schedule is going to look like this weekend. So on Thursday, we've got free practice 1 and 2 that's going to be at 11:30 a.m. UK time and 3 p.m. for practice 2 UK time again if you're not based in the UK you may have to check in your own uh, local times when these sessions are going to happen so i apologize if you're not from the UK um these are obviously the uk times i'm reading out here um because that's where we're based on friday you have practice free at 12 30 p.m followed by qualifying at 4 p.m so again as, as you mentioned lee from some people working on a friday till five or beyond that won't be able to see qualifying live unfortunately and then we have the race build up from half past one and then the race itself starts at three o'clock on saturday afternoon so we're gonna have to find something to do on sunday really that doesn't involve formula one but uh Yeah, that's pretty much the schedule for this weekend. So just so you guys know, it's a Saturday Grand Prix, not a Sunday. So you don't want to miss that one. So yeah, uh, you know, public service message, if you like. We had to get that one out of the way uh, before we moved on. Next question we got was from Guy Boucher. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Uh, Guy writes, Perez could likely struggle again in 2024. If he does, how long will Red Bull wait to switch him with Ricardo? That's a good question. Do you want to tackle that one first?
0: Well, for me, personally, I hope they don't switch because obviously I predicted that there's <laughs> going to be any switches. I, I so. did as well. So I'm hoping
1: Perez has a banger of the season so and stays I in that hope, seat.
0: Yeah, so for my prediction sake, because obviously I want to, uh, would love to win that um, golden goat, is uh, he doesn't. But to answer the question, um, if he does struggle, based on, we know, past switches done in the Formula one camp, um he's probably got half a season tops to perform uh, well. And obviously on the the sake that Daniel performs well in that time frame as well, obviously if Daniel doesn't perform and Sergio doesn't perform, that obviously gives Red Bull a big headache regarding any switching because there isn't really any other obvious candidate. um, uh, to do any switching around and Sergio may just do enough to secure his seat like he did last year for the, throughout the season. Um, but they will give him a few races and normally Sergio starts the season quite strongly. He comes back refreshed from the winter break and he goes roaring and it takes a few races for the max effect to kick in and wind him down a little bit. Um, so he, he he may last through, throughout the summer.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it's it's a weird one with Perez because I... Oh, it's a tough one. I I agree. I think he starts the season pretty well, but then it starts to fall away. Uh, last season, it was quite an emphatic drop-off from him. So hopefully, he's able to be consistent throughout the season. He was starting to pick it up a little bit towards the season's end last year, and that's kind of why he finished runner-up in the championship. So I I think for him, it's just to be a bit closer to Max Verstappen. It's a big year for him. I don't really see a scenario realistically where Red Bull are going to seriously consider replacing him with Ricardo unless Ricardo does something absolutely crazy in the first half of the season in terms of like top level performances like what Fernando Alonso was doing in Aston Martin and Perez just drops off completely. I don't see that happening. I do think it's more realistic however that they could replace Perez in 2025 with Ricardo. But again, I I don't see that being I don't really see that being a serious move for Ricardo if it's likely to be for one year because you've got Alex Albon waiting in the wings, um, potentially for 2026. So, for that reason, I almost feel like if Perez does okay or better than he did last year, then I think that'll be enough to keep him in the car for 2025.
0: Yeah, um, there's obviously uh, alluding to the rumor that uh, Red Bull first option for Alex for 26, just to obviously clarify on you people what you're alluding to um, regarding Alex.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, So next question we got from RB Dasher 1. So RB Dasher writes, uh, good evening, gents, and uh, love the show. Thank you very much. And they write, why do Red Bull undervalue Sonoda so much? He was clearly the best driver at the Red Bull program other than Verstappen last season, and he could probably get into almost half the teams on the grid. So why bother having him in RB when they could move him on and promote Liam Lawson, who clearly deserves an opportunity? I like this question because I absolutely agree with everything RB Dasher has said here. Why bother having Sonoda in the Red Bull program at all, especially in the RB car, if Red Bull have no reason to keep him in there? I know there's pressure from Honda or Honda really want him in that car, but Red Bull have moved on from Honda now. They're badging those engines with Ford stickers at the moment. So I don't understand why that would be worth the while. I, I get for now... They are keeping him in there because he's demonstrated that he was the best driver that they had other than Verstappen last season. I think there was a lot of pressure on him to deliver because Nick De Vries was brought in with the aim of ousting Sonoda out of that car and dominating that team and the opposite ended up happening. Ricardo came in and got injured so that helped Sonoda even more to stake a claim there. But you've got a perfectly good driver who is improving year on year right now and I think he could get into quite a few teams on the grid and yet... Red Bull clearly don't believe he's good enough to be in the Red Bull car one day by their own mantra from what we've heard on Drive to Survive when Hor- Christian Horner has said that about the AlphaTauri team as it was. So you almost feel like why bother having him there when you could easily put Liam Lawson in that car?
0: Um, I, I do agree with everything that you just said and and Dash was raising the question. Um, but the obviously there's a big aspect of the why he hasn't been removed from the the program is because obviously the Honda links. There's still the right. yes, it's not badged as a Honda, but it's still Honda construction. Um so there there may be some back end commercial aspect that that uh, Sonoda has to be in that seat. Um, obviously he's driven well enough to deserve to be in the sport. So it's not just because he's got a manufacturer backing. Um but the I think the Red Bull are a victim of their own success at the moment. That they found such a brilliant driver that's gone to the top of their young driver program, much similar to obviously how Sebastian did at the point of his career and is just dominating the sport. But they want a solid number two. But the problem is, unlike Mark Webber, they struggle to find that solid number two role alongside Max and Sergio. Well, obviously, we've just answered the previous question. We're asking if he's going to be replaced, he's struggling against it. You look at the previous records of Pierre and Alex. Um, against Max um, and even Daniel because Daniel left the first time round uh, and it's uh, who do they have beside it? And it's obviously the question of we've already destroyed right, Daniel's still in the sport but we've already um, in the Rebel family but we've already destroyed other drivers that have raced alongside Max do we want to put Sonoda against it when Sergio is there about at the moment um, and then maybe they don't feel he's that step up over Sergio's performance if he was in the car yeah um, He's done enough to be in the sport. He's done enough to be in V-car, RB, whatever you want to call it. Um, but is he an improvement on Sergio? That's obviously they have all the data and they can see and, and maybe they feel that he's not an improvement on what Sergio can provide again, alongside Max. And they want that extra thing um, that more than a, an equivalent.
1: Yeah, very, very true. Um, they, they almost seem to be a victim of their own success in this regard. And I do feel that the conveyor belt of talent and the Red Bull were famous for being able to roll out whenever they wanted to it was almost an embarrassment of Richards it, it has dried up a little bit but I just feel that you know they've got Liam Lawson there I think there's a very very good option he should be on the grid this season I think he proved that he's ready for that opportunity I'm not really sure what the value was going to be of leaving him on the sidelines for another year I just think you're just wasting a year of his career quite frankly when you could use that elsewhere um but then, of course, you know, that all changed when Ricardo came back. And uh, as much as I love to see Danny Rick, I think this is kind of a make or break for him. He has to deliver. Um, but either way, I, I think Sonoda is wasted there as well. So, you know, a, a lot of people moaning that Red Bull have two, have, shouldn't have four cars on the grid. Well, we're kind of arguing the opposite, that maybe they should have an extra team just to accommodate the talented drivers that they are not too serious about at the moment.
0: And they can call that Team Andretti. <laughs>
1: Yeah, R B Andretti sounds nicer than v to be fair. So, yeah, we'll we'll move on uh, to the next question. Gasly Gel 10 writes, Will Gasly and Ocon already be looking at their options for 2025? Alpine looked abysmal in pre-season testing, and it seems to be the same old story with them. At this rate, they'll be racing Haas at the back of the grid very soon. I mean, yeah. Thoughts on that one, Lee? Because uh, if, if Gasly and Ocon looked... Crestfallen after the first uh, after the preseason test, saying it was going to be a tough season ahead for them. And I think, given that a couple of years ago when they both respectively joined the team, they were sold this idea of this French identity within Formula One that was lacking for a long time, and taking over from Renault and really trying to make a name for themselves again after having you know difficult periods elsewhere. It's it's got to that point where. They're outgrowing that team, but not because they're they're driving to a point where they're too good for them. But it's because the team's just getting so bad now that you just want to get out of there.
0: I'm not going to say my thoughts on what I'm thinking. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Come on, uh, go on. I'm going to be polite. Um, But the (laughs) fair enough with with the the drivers. They answer the question of the drivers. Of course, they're going to be looking elsewhere. There's this big, juicy silver arrows or half silver, half black car that's going to be coming in available and both drivers are going to be looking at that seat. They may not get it, but any any driver in the grid is going to be silly not to try and get that uh, Mercedes seat. So they're going, that's going to be, every driver's uh, number one option right now secure that Mercedes seat. Uh, apart from obviously uh, Max Verstappen um, and you can maybe say Sergio and the Ferrari drivers. But most drivers will want to be going for that Mercedes, seat if their contract allows them to do so, or they're out of contract. Um, so, um, and especially with Esteban, with his former links to Mercedes, and obviously, I, I believe he's actually still managed by Mercedes, even though he's not part of the Mercedes Junior program. Yeah, I think he is. Um, so they, he has extra links over Pierre, but they they're going to be going for that seat. Um, for some reason, Alpine. Looked worse than they were um, through the winter. Or the other teams have just taken that bigger step compared to where Alpine may have taken a step in themselves. Um, but in my predicted um, year review uh, that we did our last episode, and obviously I did predict that Alpine are going to be at the back. And unfortunately, it does look like they may be fighting with Hass, which is not where they want to be. Um, obviously, I'd love to be proven wrong that there was just a miss setup and they're in the midfield. Uh, and they haven't gone backwards at all, I'm more just standing um standing around, but it doesn't look good for them going into this weekend.
1: I mean there's a story going around that I think Alpine have quickly quashed here that people were asking if Mick Schumacher now that he's involved in the WEC program, would there be an opportunity for him to get a test with Alpine to see if he's good enough to come back to Formula One. And, and they were quick to say, no, that's not going to happen. He's focusing completely on the World Endurance Championship and and obviously the LMP cars with Alpine. But if Alpine end up in a position where the car, the car is dreadful and is getting worse and worse and they're down the back of the field and Gasly and Ocon decide to jump ship, they're probably going to be in a situation where they might be desperate and have to bring Mick Schumacher in because he has that experience of racing in Formula 1.
0: And racing at the back of the grid.
1: Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't crash the car as much, but, but but, but, this is it, isn't it? I mean, they've got Jack Doohan on their books, didn't they? I think they still have Victor Martin, so obviously they may have to, you know, use their junior drivers at some point, but I, I don't think it's something you can rule out given the current climate they're in.
0: Yeah, it's um, a really messy, uh, it looks like a really messy winter for them and I wouldn't want, I would love to be a fly on the wall in their engineering meetings to see what's actually gone on on, um with their car or what or just maybe as i said it's just out they've been massively outdeveloped and they think they did a great winter and it really wasn't um respected to, to obviously the steps other teams have made um you have to obviously see how the track performance um, is and, uh, and if they've actually if themselves compared to last year if they've made an improvement in their lap times um or if they've actually somehow got worse
1: yeah very true Although, admittedly, Lee, if you were a fly in the war, an Alpine board meeting with their uh, technical staff there, by the end of it, given their turnover, you might be the most experienced member remaining in the outfit. So, uh, yeah, I imagine somewhere Fernando Alonso and Oscar Piastrius uh, somewhere are sitting, having a nice drink together during pre-season testing and looking rather smug over the fact that they've moved on to much bigger and better things at the moment and Alpine has gone woefully downhill. So, uh, yeah. Tr- troubling times for the alpine outfit but um if there's any consolation the merch looks great so you know that's something at least they might make a bit more money off of that rather than the performances on track so next question that we've got is uh just going through is from freddy f1 and i like this question from freddy and i'm quite intrigued to get your thoughts on this one lee freddy writes hi guys i'm a big fan of the show thank you freddy and he says given there's been a huge change at Haas now that Gunther Steiner has been moved on and Ayo Komatsu has now taken over at team principal. If Huss start to do well in the first few races of the season, does that start to suggest that Gunther Steiner was overrated as a team principal and all he was good for was being a popular character on Drive to Survive, to bring eyes to the team, and also someone that was good at making commercial deals?
0: Uh, I don't think it does mean Guns is overrated. Um, historically, Haas generally starts the season quite well. They don't build a terrible car. I mean, they don't build a fast car. All right? Like They're not going to be fighting for race wins. Don't get me wrong. But they generally build a solid car that, compared to competition, is relatively comfortable. Midfield, normally fighting for the low end of the points and a good result. But then as the season progresses which is where they really struggle, they go backwards. They're massively outdeveloped by the, the rival teams. Um, so the fact that if they start well doesn't mean Gunter is overrated. It's how if the season progresses and somehow they stick with their their, their obviously the competition and they can bring upgrades and bring a solid development plan and stick to it. Then you go, okay, maybe Gunter's up, uh, overrated. Maybe Jean had a point of getting rid of Gunter and um, the, obviously the new team principal has new ways of talking about when he stepped up and has got this plan in place and it's really working, then yeah, Gunter's... But it's going to be too early to say in the first few races to say that was um, overrated and even feel the effect of the change because obviously that's a kind of change that's long-lasting. And, and obviously, you don't come in and change make massive changes. You do slow changes and steady improvements, then big axes people uh, don't like massive change and obviously the team is made of people. So you don't You need to be gentle changes um, and put in the right direction and strategic changes more than um, robbing an ax around and hoping it hits the right target.
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, I mean, we're certainly going to find out and I think the yep. jury will certainly be out if, um, if us perform really, really well. I'm not expecting them to, I don't think it's going to be a disaster for them. I think they're going to be okay. I mean, they most likely going to be last but i don't think you know Huss are going to fall away and be not a stain on the competition but you know straggling like they were in 2021 you remember how bad that was for them and how yeah, far away no they were
0: nico podium when nico get a podium
1: yeah i'm not yeah. sure that's going to happen unless some unless we get something crazy like we saw at zandvoort last season i just don't think that's going to happen um but what a story if it did um Final question before I think we move on to our predictions for this weekend's Grand Prix League is for from Billy Graham. Now Billy writes if RB slash V Carb finish amongst the big teams in the first few races, will more teams start to scrutinize their credentials and relationship with the senior Red Bull team? Now, for a bit of context, at the moment, um it's only been Zach Brown at McLaren that's really been lobbying for the FIA and F1 to try and put more stringent regulations together to prevent the relationship from RB and Red Bull from being as close as it apparently seems to be. Now, you know, for the benefit of anybody coming at us and saying, oh, you know, it's just another thing, people moaning about people not breaking any rules because they're good. Well, you're right in that regard, because so far from what we've seen and from what we've heard, RB, VCARB, whatever you want to call them, they're not breaching any regulations that currently exist over the listed parts and stuff that they're able to share in terms of this relationship that they have with Red Bull. Um, they're not breaching any regulations from what we see so far. What Zach Brown is arguing for is that more stringent regulations need to be put in place to prevent teams like RB being able to benefit from the relationship with Red Bull in the same way that they are. It's kind of a bit similar to what we heard a few years ago Lee when Haas were doing really really well i think it was 2017 or something like that and they were like the four fastest car and everyone was saying or, or 2018 actually and everyone was saying oh they're just basically driving a 2017 Ferrari they shouldn't be able to have this um but nowadays they have the same relationship with Ferrari but because they're crap they're, they're not no one's really complaining about it. it it almost feels a little bit that it's fine to lobby for these regulation changes if you know the team aren't breaching them but i almost feel like if rb turn out to be rubbish then that all goes away but if they start doing really well more people than zach brown at mclaren are going to start coming forward and saying actually this isn't right the fia need to do something about this
0: yeah i mean that was the analogy i was thinking of when you you were reading the question was uh has um so yeah if they do well they will definitely get the the wrong attention and there, those questions will be asked the FIA, FIA I should say. Um, one thing no, Zach Brown is also against with the lobbying is he doesn't think it's right that um, one team owner has two votes um, effectively on the Oh, I've forgotten the name. The name well, it's usually they when the they vote. come together for the commission yeah. and the concourse. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the commission. Sorry, all the politics, right. yeah. So obviously, um, Red Bull Racing and VCarb is owned by Red Bull, and they get two votes. and presumably will vote the same way because they're they're owned by the same overall company, um, which Zach Brown is against. But that's a, that's a separate argument. That's the politics of Formula One, not the sporting of Formula One. Um, but yeah, if, he, if VCarb if do well, there's definitely questions because. Not just um, McLaren, which is Zach like Brown, but Aston Martin will start be raising questions. And even to an extent, if they're beating Ferrari and Mercedes, they'll get those on board as well, because it's a way of hindering your competition. If you get the the body to, um, FIA, to take do a, a rule change and take something away from your competition, you've gained lap time or you remove a competitor, so to speak. It's um, not gaining lap time, but you remove a competitor. So you've gained more points. Um, so, of course, it will get that attention if uh, VCARB do well.
1: Yeah, but I mean, on the politics front, you know, I think that's a really good point. You know, I don't think one owner should have two votes in this regard. But is it any different to two teams that share a technical partnership voting for their own interests, which are normally going to be aligned because of how F1 really works at the moment? It's not that different, really. I mean, who who in F1 has their own voice? I mean, other than Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, Maybe McLaren and Aston Martin now to a degree, but who else really has their own voice anymore?
0: Yeah, they 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 all generally vote in blocks of their engine provider more often than not.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's usually the you know the top teams, and then the brass that exists below that usually align with shared interests of the teams at the top. So, I mean, look, I, I get Zach Brown's point, but I just feel like this is coming from a position where you know, RB are just taking advantage of a relationship that they have. And, and if they start doing badly, I don't think he's going to be complaining anymore. So I think the ball is very much in the FIA's court. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. But if RB start doing what Aston Martin were doing last year and all of a sudden start challenging for podiums, I'm pretty so- sure that Zach's going to have more company in terms of people oh, yeah. lobbying for the FIA to get involved and start doing something about this. Um, so thank you very much for your questions guys very much appreciated and uh, I hope that you enjoyed us answering your questions because that's a format that I want to continue with for episodes going forward as we cover the races this season so make sure to get them in we'll leave our socials in the show notes and of course when we invite questions on the show then please do get them in and we'll read them out on the show and answer them of course let's move on to the final part of the preview Lee our predictions now i've amended this a little bit we're not going to worry about playing for points or anything like that because i don't think many people were interested if i'm honest we're just going to do this for fun and show our lack of will knowledge through this format anyway so i want to start with the best good surprise and uh take her away lee who have you got to be the best good surprise this weekend who's going to have a good race
0: well i'm going to make you smile and say charles the cook um I think he's going to have a solid race. Um, the car obviously looked quite handy from what we saw from the credits uh, of limits from testing, and I think he hit the ground running. We we're obviously all the way positive the way he described the car, and obviously the predictions of how good Ferrari are in the in the, relative to the chasing pack. Um, I think he's um, going to be a really good performer this weekend.
1: Yeah, I. Do you know what I agree? That was mine as well. Um, we haven't talked much about Ferrari on this episode, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a good weekend Ferrari. I hope it is. I mean, Charles last year drove a very good race, clearly limited by the fundamental flaws in the Ferrari, but he still was able to drag it to P3 until a late mechanical failure forced him to retire, which was devastating and ultimately cost Ferrari P2 in the Constructors' Championship, or at least was a part of it. So uh, hopefully this weekend... Um, I think a podium for him would probably be con- constitute yeah. a good race. And I think P3, P2 is probably the best he can hope for unless something crazy happens with Max up front. Um, okay, so who's going to be the flop driver this weekend?
0: Uh, for me, it's going to be Lance Stroll.
1: Ooh, now Lance had a good race last season, didn't he? Because yep. he came in after his injury. Anyone who's watched Drive to Survive will remember this very freshly. It was in the first episode and uh, clearly wasn't ready Physically, But he, he went in there out of sh- pure emotion and drive and just didn't want to not be involved in a car, which clearly was very, very good. And we didn't realise it until we saw it. Um, finished quite well. So um, why this season, Lee? Is he going to flop, in your opinion?
0: Uh, well, I think the how close that chasing pack is. And I mean, the chasing pack of being it. Ferrari, Mercedes, McLaren and Aston Martin. And um, they're going to be sharing a lot of track together. Um, how close they are to the Red Bull is a different matter, but they're going to be fighting amongst each other. Um, and I think uh, Lance will get a bit caught up or frustrated with his on-track action. And, and out of those chasing back, he's going to be towards the back of it where Fernando is probably going to be a lot higher um, in that uh, inter-team fight and in the chasing back. And it's um, I think Lance is just not going to perform it um, when he's needed to
1: this weekend. Fair enough. Um, my flop driver this weekend, I'm going to go with Esteban Ocon. Um, sorry to Esty Bestie, but uh, he had a nightmare race last season, didn't he? he? Had like loads of penalties or something crazy like that. So <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be another bad weekend for him. Although this time, I don't think it's going to be his own doing. and I think the car's going to be terrible and he's going to have a bad weekend as a result. Uh, let's move on to the good team. Of, the, of this race or best surprising team if you like I'll have to find a better name for it Who, which team have you got Lee that's going to have a good weekend
0: uh, so it's not really a surprise but I'm going to say Red Bull just because seeing the car on track and how good it, it sticks to the corners and just as a mechanical engineering just seeing it through um, a whole race weekend it's obviously we're very limited in what we get to see out of testing um, so actually, just skin to watch it as a masterpiece of engineering. Um, it's not a surprise. Uh, I've tried to avoid being the obvious choice um, in my previous passive prediction, but just just to see the Red Bull in action, it's just going to be a, a probably a, interesting to see bef- before any drudgery potentially sets in later in the season, <laughs>
1: <laughs> or at least we hope. But um, yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, I went with Ferrari, so you know, I'm not too far away on from you on this one and at this point in the season if we're going to say the best teams are the ones that are going to have the good weekends well it's weekend one so yeah this is probably the most likely one where we'll get some jeopardy compared to what we know we have no data at this point in the races we only have pre-season testing which we all know we have to throw the usual caveats and say we just don't know the confirmed order yet but uh, fair enough which team is going to flop this weekend i'm going to go first because i almost feel like we could say the same one here alpine oh actually no <laughs> no okay then who did you go with lee
0: oh with steak or sauber or whatever you want to call them we've got too many teams that don't have a, a, a known a i think they're gonna main. be
1: kick this weekend aren't they oh,
0: kick yeah that's what we I mean yeah, the name something depending like depending where they're racing it's really frustrating um to uh why can't they just stick with sauber i mean it i mean you may job.
1: end up coming to that later on this <laughs> yeah. season where things are we yeah. may just end up with a green sauber
0: um but yeah I'll, I'll pick pick uh i'm just gonna say sauber it's the one that comes to mind i know it's not sauber officially but it's what i'm going to call it um yeah so i'll go with them because i've got a feeling although they performed a good lap time i think it's more glory runs and it was deceiving uh actually in their race pace uh, com- relative to the competition and the fuel loads etc i think they're going to be further down the, the field than we probably predicted just because the obscurity of the conditions at the time.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think they're going to have a tough We I mean, say tough weekend. I think none of us are really fooled really by that one lap pace that steak or Alfa or, or Salba, whatever you wanted to call them. They always run light during testing and they do that in practice as well. So don't be surprised if they end up top of the timesheets or near top of the timesheets on Thursday. And then of course, when we get down to the serious business, we'll find out where they are. But, um, yeah, we'll see. As I said, it's too early to write anybody else off yet. We just have to wait and see how it transpires and then we can go on that for the rest of the season. Um, let's move on, Lee, to the pole position. Who are you predicting for pole position?
0: All right, another one I think you're going to like. I've gone a bit juicy. Uh, I've gone for Charles.
1: Ah, interesting. I mean, I went with Max Verstappen, but I'm intrigued uh, to know. Right. <laughs> you clearly have more... F- I mean, look, Charles Leclerc, it's a, it's a very good shout because... I think is the best qualifying F1 at the moment. I I suspect Ferrari have sacrificed a little bit of one lap performance for race pace, which is obviously, I think, the way to go if you're going to have one or the other. But, um, you know, here's to hoping. Maybe, maybe Charles is still able to pull that out of the bag and the Ferrari might be quick enough to get on the pole. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I went with Charles because, as you said, we we have no data. This is the first race of the season. The time to be risky with our predictions... Uh, because we don't know anything, um, but the the car looks. Um, well, he has a good feeling I he see he's gonna have a good race, um, and obviously the the if you look at some of the, the the data that's come out of testing, so obviously people predicting that one lap pace rebel will have four tenths, three tenths, half a second over Ferrari in one lap pace. But Charles is a driver that can find that not every driver can find that kind of time in just car performance just in that time, but Charles could find that time. So he could be right in the fight for pole. And I think he could, he's not to say easily because it's obviously going to be difficult, but he could achieve pole position.
1: He has that amazing ability to ring the neck of a formula one car to drag out the best performance possible. And I think even though he got pole position, what was it? Five times last season. I think Carlos Sainz got one at Singapore. Um, Charles had this amazing ability to just be able to drag that performance out of a car that was very much on a knife edge when it was really being pushed. If the car has, you know, managed to improve all of those ailments to the point where both of the drivers are very happy with how it feels from a drivability perspective, that's obviously going to be a great sign for Ferrari that maybe they can get on pole position and maybe they have a better chance of keeping it on the Sunday, although in this case it's going to be Saturday. So, yeah, I, I like that prediction. I'm not going with you on that one, but I do like it. Hopefully it comes in. Uh, race winner, I'll go with Max Verstappen. Don't really think it's yeah, anywhere got, else race I've go. gone
0: with that as well. It's uh, ah. another Charles poll that Max converts to a victory for me. It's
1: going to be another poll for Charles that he doesn't convert into a race win. Will that horrible statistic just stop getting bigger and bigger? Um, I almost wanted to say, as a bold prediction for the season, that Leclerc would win more races than polls, but... Uh, I mean, I don't think that's possible if Red Bull win every race in the season, is it?
0: No, it will be a contradiction <laughs> to your other prediction.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't really do that. Um, but fair enough. Do we, do we want to complete the podium to finish off? If you want. Yeah, why not? I mean, I, I went Perez 2nd, Charles P3, so.
0: Well, we have got the same drivers, slightly different order for me, Charles 2nd, Sergio 3rd. Ah, fair enough uh, well
1: that's our predictions for this one guys let us know your thoughts in the comment section if you're listening to us on youtube and uh, as always make sure to like the video subscribe to the youtube channel or follow us on your favorite podcasting platform and don't forget to leave us a five star review we will read them out on future episodes and thank you to everyone that has left us one so far yours will be read out in future episodes don't you worry about that but until next time guys thank you so much for tuning in as always we will be back for a review of the bahrain grand prix or of course if we need to we'll be back to talk about the christian horner investigation outcome when we find that out as i said you probably will already know the outcome by the time this episode goes live and until next time guys as always please stay safe thanks for tuning in don't forget the race is on a saturday this weekend not on a sunday so make sure to set your reminders for that one and we'll see you in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast and remember as always if you're not first you're probably dnf1 Take care.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.